0: Thank you for downloading the Beacon Church podcast. We hope that you enjoy today's message and that you find that God speaks to you through it. So, um, a couple of people, Owen and Owen and Steve Goulds, have been subject to a passion of mine in the last week or so. Okay, because I have been reading a lot uh, over the Christmas holiday uh, to do with some of my other work on something called cognitive science (laughs) okay cognitive science is how we learn and how we remember stuff and uh, so I've I've bored both of them they they hadn't they had no option they were sitting in front of me so they were a captive audience I've bored them silly about this stuff called cognitive science and the stuff that it's showing us about how we learn some quite amazing stuff. So, so let me just tell you one quick thing. I, I, could, I did an hour's staff meeting on this this week, so I could keep you going on cognitive science for an hour, okay? Uh, but I won't. <laughs> right, our new learning happens in the front, of, the front part of our brain, and in the part of the brain that's called the working memory, okay? That's where new learning happens. It happens in the working memory. The working memory can't be expanded, so it's no good trying to do exercises to increase your working memory. Your working memory is that thing where, you know, if someone says to you, so, okay, so to get to the centre of bricks and what you do is you go to the end of this road, you turn left, you then take another left, you go past Lambeth College, you'll come down to a big... and, Well, to be honest, by the time I've got to the end of this road, I'm done. <laughs> that stuff goes on in your working memory and it can't be expanded. And... Um, working memory uh, can only hold two or three new things at a time. If you overload it, you lose it. It's gone. And what, what, you think about that yourself. You think, uh, what did he say? Which turning was it? Was it left at the... But you can't claw it back. So that's one thing we learned about, well, we learned about working memory. The other thing that I'm going to do a little experiment with some of you on today is... That to help you learn things, it's really uh, helpful, after you've heard something, to have a short gap and then be made to recall it again. Okay? So, who was in the sermon last Sunday? Go on, put your hands up if you were here. I know you. Right. So... It's no good coming to you, is it? No. What do we, anybody remember what we talked about last Sunday? Cognitive science. <laughs> no. Uh. Uh-uh. uh oh, Okay. Right. Trust in God. Anybody remember? And I'm, I will put a clue up for this. Anybody remember? Yes, it was about trust. Yeah, trust in the Lord and do good. Remember. So, anybody remember what that word trust? The origin of that word trust. Petra. Oh, to roll away. Good try, but but not correct. Sorry. The origin of the word trust. At the back. Quickly run for rescue or refuge. Yeah. Okay. The origin of that word trust in the Hebrew is to quickly turn for refuge. And one of the things we talked about was in this new year... Trust in the Lord and do good. What does that mean? If you trust in the Lord, you're going to turn quickly to him for refuge when you need it. Yeah? And we had the, the idea of like a child who hears a thunderclap and turns to mum or dad and puts their arms around, them. turn quickly to God for refuge. Okay? So there was that one. And then we also, we, so then we looked at, and this is where Petra maybe she may be coming into her own here. Okay? So we then looked at the origin of the word commit because one of the other things that the psalm we were looking at says was commit your way to the lord anybody then tell me petra what the origin of the word commit is commit your way to the lord you did totally mean that didn't you you totally meant to say that roll away was for commit didn't you yes you did okay and it is so that word, commit your way to the Lord, literally just means, it means roll away. Roll away my right to self-determination. I'm in charge of my life. No, God, I'm committing my way to you. I'm going to roll it away. That decision, I don't know quite what to, to, to take. I could, I, I could use my common sense. Nothing wrong with that. God's given me that. But actually, God, this is too hard for me. I'm going to roll it away. Commit your way to the Lord. So we had those two, didn't we? We had trust in the Lord and do good. We had commit your way to the Lord. And there were the two other things. Others, do you remember? No. Mm. Dwell. Oh, Alicia's. Alicia's got, obviously. Okay, Alicia says dwell, yes. Great. So d- <laughs> dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. In other words, Be in the place God intends you to be right now, and you will be safe. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. And what was the other one, Alicia? Just said it. Delight Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. And we talked about that moment where you think, where you're feeling discontented, and you then have to ask yourself the question, okay, God, I'm discontented about this has my centre of delight moved? Have I shifted? Have I moved to those wells that you dig yourself? You know, it talked about the cisterns. Have I moved there? And have I stopped delighting in you? Is that why I'm discontent? So my advice was to you, if you find yourself this year feeling a bit discontent about something, miserable about something, there may be good reason for it, but one of the reasons might be, ah, the centre of my delight has shifted. Oh, God, so... So, I'm going to center my delight on you again. What, what did we say was great to help center your delight back on God again? Owen. <laughs> Worship. Worship is great for centering our delight back on Him. Did you delight in God a bit this morning when we worshiped together? Yeah, didn't Alicia lead us well? Yeah. She selected some good songs for us this morning. Yeah, let's, let's thank Alicia for yeah. good job. Okay, so that has absolutely nothing to do with what I'm preaching on today. <laughs> but I just thought, let's revisit it, let's do the memory thing, and then perhaps next week I'll ask you again. <laughs> what we are going to look at today is we're going to look at the grace of giving. The grace of giving. And uh, I'm going to talk a little, in a little while about Ben, about our dear Ben, and for those of you who don't no, Ben. Ben was an elder at this church with us, and uh, we we lost him to cancer at the end of September of, of this last year. And uh, and Ben, in fact, probably part of the reason why I'm doing this preach today on giving is because in one of our conversations in hospital, Ben said, "Phil, it's about time we had another another preach on giving." Okay. Now that's not because our finances are in a difficult position; they're not. Um, Praise the Lord. We're grateful to God for that. And we're grateful to his people who faithfully give. But actually, speaking about giving is part of, if you like, the pastoral responsibility of church leaders. Because this isn't about uh, trying to get you to give more money. There is a, a pastoral element. In other words, when we speak about giving, we are caring for you. Because the Bible talks about giving. And therefore, we must also talk about giving. And so as part of this, I will mention Ben... But he's probably uh, the instigator of this. So as we turn to this subject, and we're not going to just look at one passage, we're going to flit about a bit, just to look at what we might call biblical principles of giving, let's pray that God will speak to our hearts. Let's pray together. Father, we do thank you for uh, your presence with us already today. We thank you so much that where two or three are gathered in your name, you are in the midst, and that is our testimony Time and again, it's been our testimony this morning as we've lifted our gaze to you. We have sensed your presence and we have tasted again that the Lord is good. And so, Father, we thank you that when we come to you uh, and to your word, we can come confident that once again we will taste that the Lord is good. And I pray, Father, that as we look at this area of giving, Lord, it will be a great grace to us. And once again, we will taste your goodness and respond in praise and worship. Amen. So let's just look at a few things around giving. And then um, I loved that song about faithfulness we did at the start. So we might finish with that again. That's all right, Lisha. So let's just look at a few principles around giving. First thing to say is, is probably quite an important one. And that is God doesn't need anything from us. Okay, he doesn't need anything. Rather, he is the one who initiates the giving. Listen to this passage from Acts. And here Paul is being recounted talking, and I think it's he's in Athens, and he's talking to a group of, um, of scholars who worship other gods, and this is what he says. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands and he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. So God doesn't require us to give because he needs something. He is all-sufficient, in fact, he is the giver in the first place. So therefore, why does the Bible tell us to give? Why does Jesus talk about that? Why does he talk about money more than he talks about anything else? And why, as a church, is it helpful for us every now and then to look at this thing called the grace of giving? Paul calls it a grace. is that amazing? He talks about the grace of giving. You now, what a grace is? Grace is kindness. It's unmerited favour. He says, and Paul says to one of the churches in a place called Corinth, Excel in the grace of giving. Giving is a wonderful thing. We don't always see it that way. But that's what it is. It's, It's a grace. The Bible says about Jesus, From his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. And then Jesus says, freely you've received, freely give. So if God doesn't need anything, why do we give? And here's the good news about why we give. One of the reasons is because God wants us to share in his joy. That might not automatically come to our minds when we think about reaching into our pockets and giving. But actually, one of the reasons why we give is because God wants us to share in his joy. He is the ultimate giver, and he wants us to share in that joy. Jesus is recorded as saying in Acts 20, it is more blessed to give than to receive. We know that one well, don't we? It's more blessed to give than to receive. So let me tell you a little bit of a story about Ben. One of the things that Ben and I talked a lot about while he was ill was about giving and receiving. And for those of us who knew Ben and know Ben and Emma, you will know that he was a great giver in many, many ways. He was very financially generous, not just to the church, but he and Emma were generous to individuals. Uh, he, was, he and Emma were very, and Emma still is, very hospitable. Um, they gave a room in their house for someone to come and live in it. Ben was a great giver. He felt quite comfortable giving. And then... When the Lord's hand was on him, and uh, sometimes the Lord puts his hand on us, doesn't he? When, and suddenly, it was more difficult for him to give, and suddenly he had, to be, he had to receive. And at first, Ben struggled with that. You remember Emma? Talked about, oh, it's, my family shouldn't be having meals brought round by people from the church. I mean, it's the sort of thing that we do. I, don't, I feel really uncomfortable with it. And so we talked over a long time. About him learning to receive, and uh, and he did. And my goodness, sometimes he, towards the end of his illness, he was more than happy to ask for stuff. (laughs) He was, wasn't he? Yeah. Phil, could you go and get me some raspberries and some lemon left from the sainsbury's just round the corner? Yes, Ben, I'll go and get raspberries. (laughs) Okay. Ben had never been really an ask for that sort of thing before, but suddenly Ben's asking for stuff. He's receiving it. At first, he would try and give me the money for it, and I would say, "It's okay, Ben. Have it on me." Oh no, you Ben, you paid your travel fare to get up, Ben. <laughs> it's okay. Let me. It's okay. Let me bless you. It's okay. By the end, he wasn't offering to pay anymore. <laughs> he was happy to receive it. Um, and I talked to Tim about actually the joy that there was for those of us who supported him over that illness time, and I know lots of you did in lots of practical ways and supported Emma and the family, that actually if we hold out too much against people's generosity and kindness to us, we are depriving them of the grace of giving. And so, so let me encourage you, if someone comes up to you and wants to be generous to you even though everything inside you might fight against it don't deprive them of the grace of giving because it's it's more blessed to give than it is to receive and you know what also receiving does for us it humbles us it reminds us we're utterly dependent on the lord for everything and sometimes he just needs to remind us of that by saying okay you received this is your time to receive And uh, then I had to learn my own lesson. So I had, uh, we'd had lots of conversations with Ben about receiving. And I talked to him about you've got to learn to receive. And he did. And he went on this amazing journey. And then I had to do the same. Because he and Emma then decided to give me a very generous gift. And you're going to see a picture of it up on the screen. He bought me a piano. And he didn't tell me what it was. He just told me that there was a a very large, thick package coming to my flat. And we tried to work out days when I could be at home to receive it during the week. And uh, unfortunately, it wasn't possible to do it before he died. So this gift, gift came to me posthumously after he died. And then I had to learn to receive. But you know what the wonderful thing was? Was watching Ben's excitement about it. He was so excited that he'd spent all this money (laughs) on me. And that he was a giver. He was going to be giving. He He was more excited about it than I was until I got it. And then I was pretty excited when I got it. But he was so excited about it. And it was just such a wonderful picture to me about why God encourages us to be generous givers, and to excel in the grace of giving because it truly is more blessed to give when you're redeemed than it is to receive. Do you know that? Because God redeems every part of our lives and he has been so kind to us and so generous. And from his fullness, we have received grace upon grace and we accept it and we love it. And then he says, do you know what? Do you want to do a bit of that? Because God says, I love doing that to you. Do you know what? He loves giving to us. And then he says, Do you want to share a bit of that? Would you like to a bit of giving? That's why giving is, dis- is described as a grace. And we're encouraged in the Bible to excel in it. Excel means to. If you look at the Greek word for excel, it, it means to superabound in giving. So. Why do we give? What does the Bible say? Well, it's not because God needs anything, but it's because he wants us to share in his joy. Here's another principle. When we give, we are being children of our Father. We're being children of our Father. Listen to what Jesus says here. When he's talking about us loving our enemies, he says this, but love your enemies and do good, And lend, expecting nothing in return. In effect, that's giving, isn't it? Lend without expecting anything in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. Do you know what? When we give, we have the privilege of being children of our Father. And um, that, that passage, that word, has, has spoken to me lots over the years because actually the first part of it where it says, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil, and that's me. Now, sometimes we can read that passage and think that's about other people. He's kind to the ungrateful and the evil, but that's me. He has been kind to me and I have not always been grateful for it and he was certainly kind to me when I was evil and still when I sin, he's kind to me. And when I am generous and I give and I lend without expecting to have it returned, that's exactly what the father does and has done for me and when I do that, I'm being his child. I'm being a son of the father. And do you know what? That is a nice feeling when you feel like you're a child of your father. So, another reason we give, we're being children of our father. God loves cheerful givers. So, let's look at the passage that talks about that. It comes from 2 Corinthians, and Paul Paul is writing this letter to this church in Corinth about giving. And they have said that they're going to give. And he's just dropping a little reminder in. Remember you said you were going to give towards this offering for these poor uh, churches that are suffering in Jerusalem. So let me just remind you. And, okay, and here are some principles about how you decide about your giving and what the Lord thinks about your giving. So Paul says, right, listen, the point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully... So are talking about a farmer here, you know, sowing seeds. So you sow a few, well, you'll only reap a few. Sow bountifully ah, with abandon. You know, that's what farmers used to do before we had machinery, was they, they went out scattered like that. If you, if, you, if you sow with abandon, then you'll reap with abandon. You'll reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly, or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. When we give, God is interested in our hearts. In fact, what Paul says is, if you feel under constraint to give or you feel like you're giving reluctantly or under compulsion, then don't give. Don't give. There's a point in the Old Testament where actually God tells his people to stop giving because he's not interested. Because these people honour me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me, he says. And they're still bringing all the sacrifices and they're still doing all the stuff they should do in the Old Testament, and God says, stop, forget it, I don't want it your hearts are far from me. God's really interested in our hearts and he loves a cheerful giver. That word loves, um, it, you know, sometimes that word love, you could translate that in terms of, so, so, so I love John and so I, I want to do good to John. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll spend time with him, I'll, but I'm a big present and I'll, I'll do good to John because I, wa- I want to express my love to him. But this word love in this context here is, could be, be better translated possibly as delight. So it's not that God's saying... What this is not saying is, if you give, God will love you back. So I'm not doing this to make God love me back and give me stuff. No, what that word love means in this context is he delights God delights in a cheerful giver. He's happy when we're cheerful about giving. He, deli- he looks at you and he says, Dave, oh, I delight in you, the way you've just reached into your wallet for that. It's, God, I'm just delighted in you. And you can sense God's pleasure on you. Isn't it nice to sense God's pleasure? You know, he delights in us when we give. Let's just look briefly at this passage a little bit more because it just unpacks a couple of other principles for us. So we've seen that one about the sowing sparingly and the reaping sparingly. And about not giving reluctantly. Deciding in your heart. It's interesting, isn't it? It doesn't say decide in your mind. Decide in your mind. Right, so let me just do the calculations. I've got this income. I've got this expenditure. I've got these savings. Okay, I can probably afford to give that. Now, that's not saying that you don't use some common sense when you decide what you're going to give. But actually, Paul says, no... No, it's your heart. Give, give what's in your heart to give. You know, it's that moment that sometimes you get when you know there's an offering coming up for something, and you and God, and God sort of inserts a figure, and you think, where did that come from? And then you do the little bit of rationality. Well, I, don't know, should I perhaps. Perhaps I didn't hear that right. Maybe that's just a... And, of course, you might not have heard it right. You do need to apply some common sense to it. You do need to, if you're married, talk to your partner before you, you know, give your life savings into, into the offering without telling them. That's not. I don't, don't recommend that. But God says he's interested in our hearts when we give. And so he says, okay, give what's in your heart to give. So, actually, if I can give this amount and I can give it with joy... But this, this, this other amount, I've wrestled with it, and I just, well, it's probably better for me to give what I can give with joy and to ask him, God, next time I'd like to inc- you to increase my faith so that if you call me to give more next time, that I can give with that with joy. He wants us to give with joy. And so not to, to begrudgingly. And the last thing I want to pull out of this passage is this, Look. When it says, and God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency and all things at all times, that you may abound in every good work, this completely undermines how this passage has sometimes been misused. It's been misused sometimes by what we might call people who advocate the prosperity gospel, which is the more you put in, because it says, if you sow bountifully, you'll reap bountifully, so give lots, because God will give back to you. Okay? Yeah, give lots now, and there's a Mercedes coming in a year's time from the Lord. (laughs) Okay, that's not what it says. What it says is that if we give bountifully, then what does he do? He is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having everything you need, all sufficiency at all times, you may be able to abound in every possession. No, in every good work. What he does when we give bountifully is he increases our capacity to do more good. And there is very little that rewards us more than knowing we are about our Father's business. Remember, Jesus said, "My bread, my food, is to do the will of Him who sent me and to finish His work." It was was that the thing that kept Jesus going was knowing He was. It was the thing that kept Jesus going when He went to the cross was he knew he was doing his Father's work. He was pleasing his Father. He was doing good work. He was coming to save us. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. That's what it says. There was joy that was set before him through the agony of going to the cross for us because he was doing such good and that was more and meant more to him than trying to protect himself or having a massive international ministry that could have gone on for years because the thing that really got him going in the mornings was pleasing his father and doing good. And what this passage says is, if we are generous and bountiful when we give, he will increase our capacity to do even more good and we'll delight in it. Yeah? And we, do you know what? We know, don't we, that there's actually no real delight in hoarding resources because he tells the salutary story, Jesus, doesn't he, of the rich fool who hoards up all his stuff in his barns And that very night, his life is taken from him. So, we know that that's where our delight really is. Let's pursue it by being generous and bountiful. But, but, giving may be costly in the short term. It may be costly in the short term. Listen to this story from Jesus. Jesus sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Can you imagine that? We have an offering and Jesus is sitting there watching what we're giving. My goodness. Do you know what? He does. He does. Many rich people put in large sums and a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and he said to them, truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. Giving in the short term can be costly, but we know that the story that Jesus tells is about a reward that comes sometimes later. One of my heroes, which some of you will know about, is a man called George Muller who opened loads of orphanages in the 1800s and and spent the equivalent in our day's money of millions of pounds on running these huge orphanages and he never once asked anybody for a penny because he wanted to do it all through prayer and faith. And uh, one day he tells the story of a a spinster who... um, was a seamstress she just worked at home she was quite disabled she had very little money and uh, she just sewed you know a few things to just make a few pennies and that's how she got through life and then suddenly she comes into an inheritance when um, a relative dies and um, in those days a substantial amount of money sort of just over a hundred pounds she comes into this money and then she comes to George Muller and she says pastor I want to give it to you for the orphans And uh, George Muller tries to dissuade her. This is what he writes. When I remonstrated with her in order that I might see whether she'd counted the cost, she said to me, the Lord Jesus has given his last drop of blood for me. And should I not give this £100? (laughs) It's a lovely story, isn't it? Giving may be costly in the short term. But there is reward. And this is the last part that we'll look at now. And this is the reward that comes. The Father rewards our giving. So listen to Jesus. Jesus says this in Matthew 6. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus... When you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. So in other words, Jesus is saying, if, you, if we give because we want to impress other people, well, we can, get there, we can get that. We can get people to be impressed with us. And that's, that's it. That's the reward. You can feel good about yourself for a little while because somebody else says, oh, wow, that's so generous of you, and you feel good for a moment about that. That's it. Jesus says, yeah, if that's the reward you want, then yeah, go around telling everybody what you're giving, and that will be your reward. But there's an alternative, and he says this. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward, but when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. So that your giving may be in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. You sometimes, sometimes there's this thing called delayed gratification, isn't there? You know, we give and we don't get the reward right now or not in the way that we might expect. But the promise of scripture is that if we give bountifully and secretly and in front of our Father and nobody else. Father, you know my heart. I think this is what you're telling me to give I'm going to do it gladly and if I'm not feeling glad about it I'm either not going to do it or actually probably better I'm going to get on my knees and say change my heart oh God and I'm going to give and then once it's gone do you know what I'm not going to worry about it because I just know that you say your reward when, when I do something in secret before you your reward I wonder what it'll be I wonder what it'll be it might not be more money probably won't be Could not. might not be or if it is it's probably so you can give more of it again but he will reward you in one way or another because that is his faithful promise and so we um, have an opportunity in a couple of weeks to give and uh, we, we talked together just Owen and I about what, what we think we're, we're going to do over the next year in terms of giving and as I've said to you we're, we're very blessed here we're not, um, we're not desperate for money by any means the Lord is good to us and you are good to to the church by giving what you give and that's wonderful um, but there are some things that we would really like to give into that are above and beyond our normal regular uh, ex- expenses and so I want to just tell you very briefly about the four things that we, are, that we would love to be able to give to and so we're going to have an offering over two weeks fairly soon have we got the dates? Um, thanks Bill so 4th and the 11th of February so that's uh, not next week not the following week but then the fourth is the week after that, and the 11th is the following week. And uh, we, we, we're encouraging you to pray about what you can bring and give at that time, and these are the things uh, that, that this will enable us to do. Okay. So if, 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 we can, uh, if we have an offering, then it will help us to be able to do some of these things that will bless our people and will bless beyond. So here they are. The first one, which um, if you were here when Steve and Emma spoke uh, about mission, is something called Orchards, and uh, Emma doesn't know this yet, but I'm going to ask her, we're going to ask her in a couple of weeks' time, if she's around, to just give us a little bit of a picture of what Orchards is, Uh, just to give you a very quick, a brief summary. It is a charity that Emma uh, and a friend are setting up to work, particularly with uh, women who uh, may have experienced abuse of some kind in the past, and uh, they are very keen for it to be connected in with a local church rather than just a charity that stands out there and we are more than happy for that to be us and so um, I'm going to join the the board of trustees for that charity and uh, we would like to be able to bless that charity as they start up they needed some start-up funds and we would love to be able to give towards that as Emma um, sets up that charity and then one of the other things and uh, I've just made sure that I get the I get it right. <laughs> regions Beyond not new ground. So Regions Beyond is a family of churches led by a guy called Steve Oliver who's been here to preach. And it's a family of churches that are across the world, some in the UK, but also some uh, in other areas of the world. And we are just exploring, getting really involved with them. And Owen will talk about that a little bit next week. But that's one of the other things we would like to give to, if you like. These are the two things that are outside of us, orchards and into the work that Regions Beyond do, because they are very missional, involved in lots of mission work right across the world. And we would love to be able to give towards the work that they're doing. So those are the two, if you like, the externals. And then the two internals that we would like to to make happen again this year and ensure that everybody who would love to go can come however much or however little they can pay towards it. And that's New Day for our youth, uh, which is an event in the summer that we take them to, uh, which has just been great over the years. And I think if you ask... Some of our youth, they will say that those have been significant moments for them at New Day in terms of their faith. And so um, we would love to be able to, again, support the young people to go to New Day, particularly those who might not be able to come up with all the money themselves. And then our weekend away, and as um, uh, Owen talked about, we are really keen that everybody here who calls Beacon their church will be able to come on that weekend away. But we understand that some will be able to give more towards that than others. And so we therefore love to be able to supplement and, and support those of you who maybe can't come up with all the money for that weekend. So we just can say to you, don't worry, you pay that, what you can cover, we'll cover the rest. And so to be able to do these things, uh, we're going to be taking up that offering uh, in two weeks' time. And it will go over two weeks, so if you, get the, if you forget the first week, well then there's an opportunity then to give the next week. Okay. Let's pray, and then we're going to sing that great song on God's faithfulness, and then we're going to go and have a cup of coffee and go home. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you for your incredible, constant generosity to us. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, that you did not count the cost when you went to the cross. But instead, you who had no sin became sin for us so that we might have the righteousness of God. We're so grateful, Father, that you are such a generous God to us. And we pray that you will do something in our hearts so that we too will be generous. And we pray that by being generous, we will experience and share your joy because that's why you want us to give. It's so that we can experience the joy of being part of what you're doing, being about our Father's business, being the sons and daughters of our Father responding to your generosity to us and experiencing the joy that God has when he gives and sharing in that. And so we pray, oh God, as we, as we think about our own giving, the regular giving to the church here and, and to other places, and as we come, come towards these offering days, we pray, oh God, show us, show us what you'd have us give. But more than that, more than that, oh God, make us a habitually generous and bountiful people we pray and we ask in jesus name amen let's stand together and we're going to sing that that great song if i can like glass i need my glasses thank you you have just listened to a beacon church recording if you would like more information about us our vision the team or upcoming events please visit our website which is beacon-church.org. You can email us at office at beacon-church.com or find us socially on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. You are welcome to share this recording as you wish, but please do not make any edits without express consent. Thank you.